the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. I'm going to start this episode with a a very quick stat, which I don't think should surprise anyone. And that is that property sales, so completions, in October were apparently 52% down from September because everyone rushed to get their their property deals completed before the stamp duty holiday ended. So so this is not not a big surprise. It does just go to show how how the property market can be sort of manipulated and, and forced into different shapes by by various outside influences. So I think it's a, an interesting an interesting case study, but but yes, not a surprise for anyone. However, possibly not a surprise either really. But Stuart, you have some other stats around house building. So do you want to intro those? Yes. Well, it's news which came out recently. And, you know, one of the things I think as property investors that we that we're always conscious of is will will property values continue to increase at the rate they will? Because wherever we invest, that is that's obviously a big question. Most of us will be keen on capital growth. Well, of course we're all keen on it, but the question is, how long can this continue? And and that always leads us back to, well, we know in this country, we are limited on space and land. And the big challenge is how many houses will be built for the needs that we have in this country. Anyway, the stat for 2020 to 2021, so for that 12 month period, is that 216,490 houses were made available or properties, new properties to the market. And just to put that into context, the government target is 300,000. So we are some way short of that number by approximately 84,000. So that is fairly significant. And bearing in mind, we're only talking about one year. You know, so by even by simple maths, we can see that we're almost a third away from where we should be. What I've found quite interesting within that 216,000 is that 89% of that, so 194,000, is made up of new build. So new build properties, brand new built into the market. But 10% of that, just under 24,000, is down to a change of use from non-domestic to residential. So I assume that is, in our parlance, commercial to resi or office to resi, that kind of thing, or pub to resi, anything that's non-domestic, obviously. And the one that I just pulled out was just under 4,000 houses converted to flats. And that that's, uh, as a percentage, that's a, yeah, it's less than a percent. It's a tiny, tiny percentage. But that is how the 216,000 is is made up. That's interesting. That's, I would have expected a larger percentage of new builds. I'm surprised how many conversions there are. Although I say that, I only need to look locally to see a number of examples of office to resi conversions going through. And perhaps that that number really shouldn't surprise me thinking about that. But I know it it does. As you say, the 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 big sort of headline thing though really is the fact that we're we're just not building enough houses still. And I I think personally that we as a country need to be building more council homes, basically. So 
we used to have a, a big stock of local authority owned and, and run properties that were, were rented out effectively. And that that stock or that number has, has dwindled massively since mm, 2000-ish. So local 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 authority owned, God, I can't say it, properties were sort of 20% of, of the, the properties in the country. And they're now down to less than 10%, quite a lot less than 10%, mostly with private social housing providers and private rental PRS, a private rental sector, taking over and, in fact, expanding as well, reducing the number of owner-occupied. And I think to sort of help rebalance the the, the housing market in, in this, this country a bit, we, we probably just need some more local authority built houses. But I don't know how or when or where that might ever happen again. Well, and we don't know how many of those new builds were given to affordable housing because that is obviously a, a requirement of new build estates, depending on the size and makeup. Yeah, although I think, I mean, there's a big difference between local authority properties that are built by local authorities to then rent out at an affordable rate. And affordable housing in new developments and new builds, which are then sold at an so-called affordable rate. And sometimes they're sold on part ownership and things like that to, to help that further. But it still involves buying and lots of people just aren't in a situation to be able to buy. So I I, I don't know. I know we're, we're property investors and we, we shouldn't be looking for, for ways to take market share away from the, the private rental sector or indeed to be looking at things that might perhaps soften the, the house price growth as well. Because of course, those, those are what what we need we need more rental demand and we need need more price increases to to sort of keep the market all, all flowing forwards for investors and investor returns but just on a humanitarian level i think we in this country probably need need some more some more council houses some more council flats to help balance things yeah i don't think anyone with uh, anyone with an ounce of uh, humanity in them would would disagree with that in terms of you know ethically yeah completely um and I don't want to get political, but, but my first thought is, you know, obviously we want to reduce the need for people to need that as well. But that that's a different uh, that's a different yeah. conversation. That, that's a very different conversation, that one. <laughs> but, but the other point I was going to make on, so so this is 2020 to 21. So the only thing about that figure I would say, and this is this is probably my my fallibility here of not having looked at the prior year. But of course, we're talking about uh, house building in in the covid period. And and as we know, that that slowed down a lot. And as I personally saw, having bought a new build myself, you know, it was squeaky bum time, whether actually we were going to get ours, uh, you know, by the stamp duty holiday because of the fact that they had to complete, the house builder had to completely reorganize how they were building the estate because they were only allowed certain teams in on certain days. So that would have had a detrimental effect to that number. However, I think we'd all be agreed that would they have hit that number? No, because we haven't achieved those targets yet. But I just thought it was worth applying that caveat because that is something that that should be factored into those numbers was that they wouldn't have been able to to, to build as quickly as they might have had they been allowed to have as you know, all, all of the workforce. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they would have hit 300,000 even if there had been no COVID. Did you say that the number that, that, that has been achieved was... 11% down on the, the previous yeah. year? Did I, did I remember yeah. that, that percentage right? So if you add 11% to it, 
say we achieved the same as the previous year without without COVID, it's not three hundred thousand. So we're yeah, the the expectation would be that we we would not have have met that regardless. So with that being an eleven percent drop from the previous year, roughly tells us that the prior year was two hundred and forty thousand, which is sixty thousand short of the target. So that that the previous year was still twenty percent short, and that was pre-COVID time. So that kind of just argues the point that you just made around the fact that they weren't going to hit that target because clearly they haven't. And I guess for me as an investor, I kind of hear that and think, okay, we're we're still not getting enough houses. So I start thinking, well, okay, how can I help that? And actually, when I read the stats, houses to flats, it makes me think, well, okay, maybe that's something I should be doing to to help. And then on a human level, a bit like you've said, I, I kind of think, well, I want there to be enough. I want there to be enough places for people. You know, there needs to be. Yes, that might mitigate my returns, but to be honest with you, first things first. Let's let's make sure everyone's got somewhere to live before I start thinking about can we make a, a return on investment. It's like let's let's do this right for our children, and you know the next generation. Yeah, and and pop anything else, converting houses to flats that'd be really good. It'd be really interesting to do. I I yeah, I'd love to love to give that a go. Um, although I think there's quite a lot of regulation involved and things when you're you're doing that kind of conversion and can be can be tricky but yeah i think it'd be interesting because then at the end of it as well you end up with a a, a small multi-unit block as mm. well which uh, which i think would be be a good good thing to have in a have in a portfolio but talking flats you have a flat that you have been trying to sell for a little while and it is maybe almost perhaps sold again <laughs> that flat is a quick reminder We've had two offers accepted on it. The first one, and there's lots of long stories that go into this, but you can, you know, go back and listen to them. Some of them just are ridiculous, but fell through the day before exchange, as one would expect. And then the second offer fell through maybe a week to 10 days before exchange. So so this flat, put it back on the market. It's been on. We're about to take it off the market, to be fair, just to just to give it some breathing space and then go at it again. And it's been doing rather well on Airbnb, actually, for people that want to stay. But we have just recently had an offer. So it's on the market for about 250 I don't mind sharing the numbers, to be honest. Well, they're on the portal, so you can't avoid sharing them. <laughs> it's, there, it's there, isn't it? It's there for the public. But the next numbers, we, we've had, we had an offer of uh, 236 there or thereabouts, which you know, just isn't close enough for us. And anyway, they've come back with a second offer, which is probably closer to where we need to be. But the interesting thing is that the person that's put the offer in has stipulated that they would like to move into the property within the next week. And <laughs> this was before they'd even made an offer. Okay, so, so I've got so many thoughts and questions around this. But first of all, how does anyone go about walking into an estate agent saying, oh, yes, this house looks nice that's for sale. And can I move in next week? I mean, who 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 thinks that? <laughs> so, I mean, how, how, what did they actually say to you? What was the approach? Well, pretty much what you just said. They, 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 to be honest with you, the estate agent hasn't been great. You, you know, not, not all of it is their fault. It's not, you know, the fall throughs haven't been their fault. Although I do think there's a certain amount of information, which if passed on, may have yeah, precluded some of these things from happening. But no, their, their words were exactly, yeah, this is the offer, but the stipulation is that she can move in in the next week. And sort of our response to that was, well, let's have a confirmed offer. 
if we get an offer which we feel is acceptable, we'll move on to the next st- stage of the conversation. However, and this is the other thing, we have told the estate agent till we're blue in the face that we are currently renting the property. The thing is, because it's on Airbnb, every time someone departs, we obviously dress it up nicely, clean it, and so on. So I think they go in and just think that there's no one there. And the guy said, oh, I didn't realise there was anyone there. We said, no, we've only told you seven times that we still rent it. So, And we do actually have a a month-long rental from mid-December onwards. So, you know, there's a number of factors to consider. But with my experience, as in things that I've worked on before, I said, look, based on where we've come from, we wouldn't we wouldn't look to rent this out to the person prior. Uh, and there's probably a few things which which most sellers can think of as like, you know, you know, imagine moving into a house before you buy it. There's going to be things which, as always, you go, oh, look, you know, this floorboard needs replacing. Oh, I didn't realize that this sink was quite so it's one of those i think it's a pandora's box and i'm not saying you know i think the flat is what it is i mean it needs these things doing however that aside i kind of said well look we wouldn't we just wouldn't do that so we'd want to exchange ideally we'd want to exchange before christmas now i'm going to leave a pause there because i I, this is a sort of thing where you mr pither you'll jump on this straight away so my i've said to them look we, we really need to exchange in like 30 days or less if this is going to happen before christmas when we're, we're, we're talking less than 30 days yeah so how could that possibly be achievable i mean i don't know correct me uh, on which of these assumptions must be wrong but buying with a mortgage difficult to exchange before you've got your mortgage approved so are they doing that and how would that work i probably i probably shouldn't share all of these numbers but let's just say less than 25 percent of mortgage required Okay, so that makes life a bit easier on that front. So hopefully that could be quicker. Um, council searches. They have been done twice. So you, you've got access to one of those sets of results that are approved and you can provide to the new buyer. Is that the case? So the case is that what we're saying is the potential buyer would need to use the previous solicitor for this purchase okay. because they have done 90% of the work already. Uh, okay, so that, that's an interesting caveat to, to help things along. Mm. Okay, so so there you go. So the, that solicitor will have checked a whole heap of stuff already, presumably around the leasehold and, and the, the contract involved and the council searches and any other searches that, they, that need to be done. And then you've got a, a minimal mortgage that will hopefully speed that up. So, okay, okay, perhaps it, it could, be, could be done that quickly. So my next question then is, what do you think the sort of agreement could be for them moving in earlier? Would you allow them to move in before exchange or would you insist on the exchange happening before they moved in? And and even then, what would what sort of agreement would cover the, the time between exchange and completion? Mm. Well, my my experience of the last several years is that you can pretty much do a lot of things legally, I should add, a lot of things provided you, you get the relevant paperwork drawn up. So all things are possible. And and what I found, so my wife, for example, is a great example of, you know, because she, she only knows the standard way, right? And why should she know any other? You know, it's, it's my, you know, it's my day job, not hers. And she said, well, the, the potential buyer would still need to pay a deposit of X amount of thousand pounds. And I said, ah, but that's not actually true. We believe it's true because that's all we've ever done. But I have done this before where I did a keys undertaking stroke delayed completion where I agreed a set amount with the 
seller for me. So actually, if the potential buyer were really interested in this, we could have an agreement where we, we just agree an amount and it could be a set amount, whatever, a figure that we just agreed. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter for the sake of this conversation, but we could just agree a figure that the exchange could take place on. Although, sorry, I'm, I'm cutting you off in mid-stride there, but why, why would you want to? So presumably that would be for a, a lower figure than standard. But why, why would you want to? Do they, are they a part of a chain? Do they need to sell something in order to release their capital? Is that, that the restriction there? The answer on this is they do. Why do you think that that matters? You you were saying that you could do something custom in terms of the deposit that they'd need to to pay, but if they've got the money for the the deposit, why would you want to do anything custom? Oh, unless you're thinking of charging them more for the for the deposit. <laughs> I, sorry, I I assumed it was less, but maybe it's more. Well, so 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 for us, the the deposit is 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 not irrelevant. I think it's about commitment. And I just want to step back because you asked two questions. Would we let the potential buyer move in prior to exchange? Now, I think it's really clear for me to say that those two things are, are they're linked for us, but they're not linked. Actually, I could tomorrow just say, yep, you can rent the house and they could rent the house for however many months they wanted. That's not linked. The reason I personally am linking it to the exchange is because I'm done with fannying around. So. I am making this now a sense of, well, if the only way that we can guarantee that the buyer is committed is once we get to exchange, because that's the system we work with. So that's that's what we have to deal with, unless you get an, uh, other legal documents, which, you know, which are probably not as good as an exchange, as, as a legal exchange anyway. So that's why we're kind of looking for the exchange. In terms of the figure, for us, it doesn't make a difference, but what it does do is it, it again, signifies commitment. So from a, from a buyer perspective, that might not be the case because obviously if you've got a, if you've got a 90% loan-to-value mortgage, you're always going to need the, the 10%. And in this scenario, the buyer needs whatever they need. For us, it's about that, that commitment again because if you say to someone, okay, we'll do the exchange, but for a pound, there might still be part of them thinks, well, actually, I could still pull out in – two months time and and when it all comes out in the wash it might only cost me i don't know 10k to pull out so so for me there has to be a tangible amount of money involved with it and it's not actually related to loan to value or deposits because ultimately we will get the total amount of the property's value on completion so for us it's but for me, it needs to be a meaningful amount of money so that someone wouldn't go into that thinking, hmm, yeah. So, for example, I could just pick a nominal amount and just say 10K because it doesn't matter where you come from, what you do, 10K is a lot of money. So if you're going to go into this, so I would say, yeah, we'll do it if you're willing to exchange on a rapid basis and put 10K into funds, then then we would do it because I think 10K is enough for someone to say, actually, I am 100% committed to this sale. So hopefully that goes some way to explaining or answering the, the thoughts you've got. Yep, I think it does. So the next question is, how would you structure the arrangement for them being able to move in early? Would it, would it be a rental agreement of some description or would it be some kind of just early access based on their purchase? 
Yeah, it's a really good question because you could do either of those. What I would do, because this is what I've done previously, is, is what's called a keys undertaking. And what that means is that the potential buyer would take on all the rights, actually, of an owner from that point onwards. And that's the only way I would do it with a potential buyer. Obviously, if someone's renting it, that's a very different story. They're just renting the property. But in a potential buyer, we would do a keys undertaking. And I'm just trying, because it's been a few years since I did it. But if I remember rightly, the, the legal documentation of that keys undertaking pretty much said, you know, from that point, onwards the 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 resident had to get the insurance you know cover the um buildings insurance all of that kind of thing that they were responsible for utilities that if anything were to happen to the property it was their responsibility so essentially for all intents and purposes they are becoming the owner it's just we haven't completed that so and the truth is given that we know that 90 percent plucking numbers out there but 90 percent of the legals have been done my view is if they wanted to move in quickly, we, we could probably get, and we'd run as fast as the solicitors would run, which in my experience on another property is not very fast. But hypothetically speaking, it could be done in a month. Uh, you know, and, I, and I do believe that. And you know, that's how that happens in auctions. And so given that we've done the legal work, that, that could be true too. So that actually leads very nicely onto my next question, which was, why would you worry about sort of the the deposit and the exchange and the exchange requirements when perhaps you could actually just do an exchange and completion even on the same day and and just get it all finished and completely theirs yeah so for me absolutely for for me it's not an issue i, I think from a buying perspective and again I, I don't know because we haven't got to this stage so the, so the first thing to say is if they presented, well, actually, we can exchange and complete in three, four weeks, then then that's fine. But our experience tells us that I think that would make primarily solicitors very nervous because to them it just sounds like a lot of work. And for me, it's about the exchange because that's the point where I know that legally we are you know, 95% plus certain that the, that the completion will happen. It's never 100%, but at that stage. So for me, when the completion happens is... Yes, of course, we'd take it on the same day. But then if, even if it took another, and God willing, it wouldn't, but even if it took another two or three months following that, okay, fine, we've still got to just sit on our hands as we have done. But given that this has fallen through a couple of times, for me, it's about the, the confidence to know that we are not going to go back into the conveyancing process with this risk. And the, the, the final thing to add is that for those that do listen to prior episodes this particular property it's fell through because essentially the ground rent doubles on a 25 yearly basis and this causes a sticking issue with some mortgage companies which we've discussed before but there is something we can do to mitigate that which is it's, it's just called a deed of variation essentially it costs 900 quid from a solicitor's now this has come up in the previous two purchases, and for whatever reason, even though we've been very open about it, the potential buyers pulled out at the last moment, citing this as a reason. Now, I, I just think this is—it's just a very good reason to pull out. It's you know for me, so that that still exists. So the other thing we're sort of saying is, look, we want them to be really clear on this within the first couple of days. 
here's the solution. We do have a solution and we may agree the price, but this is the cost of doing this process. So that's been the complexity as well. So as you can hear, it's it's not the simplest of transactions, although it could be. <laughs> should be, really. <laughs> <laughs> although it should be, yeah. Cool. Well, I don't think I've got any further questions on that. So unless you think we've I've missed anything there, there, Stuart, I think we should bring this episode to a close, since we've we've overrun very slightly. So thank you very much to everyone for for joining us for this adventure through some stats and potential property exchange completion tactics. And we do hope you'll join us again next week. In the meantime, please do check the show notes and our previous episodes on thebusinessofproperty.com and try to let two or three of your, your property friends know about the Business of Property podcast. Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. Bye.